Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Dalton Del Don sitting in a place that is so many fires in California. It is dark outside, even though we are in the morning. I'm happy to be joined by Ben Baldwin of The Athletic. When we first earmarked this few weeks ago, the powers that be said, have me doing an advanced stats show. And I immediately thought of Ben. I emailed him out of the blue, also known as the Computer Cowboy. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Uh, thanks for having me. Happy to talk about all these advanced stats and Computer Cowboy type things uh, and looking forward to this. For sure. A um, couple quick headlines before we get to that. I wanted to spend this time hyping up Damian Harris, who's looked so good in practice. But immediately before we started recording, Miles Sanders has been listed as week to week with a lower body injury. Obviously, that's big fantasy news. It, uh, it seems vague. And the latest reports uh, is that he will be ready for week one. So hopefully this is nothing. Obviously, you'd bump up Boston Scott. Um, I personally haven't moved him anywhere in my rankings. But if for some reason you had Sanders ahead of Henry... Mixon, Drake, or God forbid, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, then I'd consider maybe moving him down because obviously a lower leg injury already right now in a, in a year that's bound to have so much uncertainty isn't the best news. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's talk some stats. Um, some can be descriptive versus predictive. Uh, they're just a piece of the puzzle, man. It's, no stat is perfect. In fantasy baseball, it seems like that world has embraced them far more. That you know, if you point to BABIP, you can point to regression. Um, football, the, the world definitely exists. In fantasy, I feel like there are few people uh, other than me writing about Whopper. Um, I personally just like having a stat I can point to as after I make a statement, as opposed to just some subjective thing. Like I, I like the player, so I can be accused also of leaning on them too much. That's why we're bringing in the expert Ben. Um, I wanted to briefly talk about, to start with EPA, um, before we look under the hood and discover which quarterbacks are underrated and overrated, which I find to be fascinating and, and will be the bulk of this conversation. Uh, but let's start with EPA, Ben. Describe it, please. Yep. So uh, EPA stands for Expected Points Added. Uh, and to describe this, we kind of need to uh, take a step back. So um, the baseline here is expected points. And what that is, is assigning a one number value to every uh, spot on the football field that also depends on the down and distance. So basically, uh, the goal of a team is to score. Uh, if you are closer to the opponent end zone, then you're in a better position to score. So you're going to have higher expected points. If it's first down, then uh, that's good from the perspective of the offense. You're going to have higher expected points. Uh, and as you move down the field towards the opponent end zone, um, your expected points will look better. 
Now, what EPA does is simply takes the expected points before a play and after a play and says, here is one number that represents the value of a play. And the nice thing about this is we can then take that and get um, averages based on different groupings, like uh, the expected points added of uh, the plays the player was involved in or rush plays versus pass plays or all these different breakdowns. And we have this kind of common footing to represent how valuable uh, each of these plays are in one number. And this leads to controversial things. I believe you, yes, you're no, uh, you know, not shy away from some Twitter spats. Um, but Derrick Henry last year was, uh, was according to this, not necessarily nearly as valuable as maybe the average fan would have thought. And I know part of that reason we'll talk to later because Tannehill was so good. But um, that would be uh, the latest example of where EPA might not fit with the general narrative, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, but kind of the, one of the high level findings from EPA, and we can even get this from just an average yards per play, is that the average pass play has both a much range, larger range of outcomes. We know they have more turnovers, but also more explosive plays. Um, but even if you look at the average outcome, the average pass play fares better than the average run play, which makes it, it means it's a lot easier for quarterbacks to separate themselves from other quarterbacks than it is for, say, running backs to separate themselves from other running backs. Personally, I think this that that stat is kind of undervaluing what a guy like Henry brings to the to, to the table. Certainly, running backs that catch the ball, and he's not a great, he's actually a horrible example of that. <laughs> but but I do get I get it. Obviously, passing, frankly, basically, why don't teams call play action every single play? Right? Um, seems like uh, that's what they should do. But yeah, I get that overall there, and running backs don't matter. Um, and Derrick Henry, the example, is an extreme one. But let's talk about the passing. So CPOE. Uh, there was no baseball during this, um, you know, quarantine time. So I started focusing on football earlier than ever. Uh, man, I, I, it led me down this rabbit hole with Tom Brady, which we'll get into. But talk about CPOA, CPOE. What is it? I know the nerdy acronyms everyone loves to make fun of. But um, yeah, describe it better than I can. Yep. So uh, CPOE is, uh, again, we kind of just take a step back and, and say uh, what. So CPOE stands for Completion Percentage Above Expectation. Um, the natural question is, okay, where does that expectation come from? And uh, this is largely based on how uh, far downfield a, a player is completing passes. And and the reason CPOE is useful is it's not necessarily meaningful to compare the completion percentage of someone like Derek Carr, who's throwing downfield five yards in every single play, versus someone like Russell Wilson or Jameis Winston or someone, uh, Pat Mahomes, someone who's pushing the ball downfield a lot because we would expect them to have a lower completion percentage just based on where they're throwing the ball. And then, and that completion percentage doesn't really tell us that much meaningful in terms of how accurate they actually are. So what CPOE tries to do is adjust, make these adjustments to, again, put quarterbacks on the level playing field and say, based on uh, where you're throwing the ball, are you completing uh, more fewer passes than we would expect you to? Has it proven to be predictive? Yeah. So that that's, basically the reason people started using it. So um, one uh, one driver of why people started looking at CPOE was uh, Josh Hermsmeyer uh, for 538 wrote this uh, article about projecting college quarterbacks into the NFL and found that um, how a quarterback did in college based on CPOE is predictive of how he does in the NFL. And, and even for NFL quarterbacks, CPOE is one of the uh, most stable things we have at the quarterback level. So someone who has a high CPOE or low CPOE in one year will tend to uh, do that again in the following year. Uh, someone like Drew Brees at the high end is a good example of this. And, and even if we're trying to predict something like EPA per play in the following year, CPOE, uh, even uh, even though it's a different metric, is, is able to do a pretty good job with that as well. 
And then before we get into the the um, specific quarterbacks, do you uh, how in relation to them to the next gen version, the CPAE? How do, how would you relate the two? Yeah, so they're they're very similar. the The big driver for both is how far downfield uh, a pass is thrown, and that's that's true for both of them. People have looked at the correlation between kind of public CPOE models that people have put together, uh, including the one that we've done for NFL Faster, along with the, the next gen stats one and the short answer is they're very, very similar because the main input into them is just uh, uh, how far downfield you're going. Well, as far as I can tell, CPOE goes 10 years back further, right? It's 2016 versus 2006? Yep, uh, that's right, uh, which is okay. definitely an advantage. Uh, the For next sure. stats one is based on player tracking data because they use things like receiver separation and uh, how close pass rushes were to the quarterback that... Um, aren't available before the NFL had chips and shoulder pads. So uh, yeah, that is one advantage of the public version, which is mainly based on air yards, is that we have much, much more data to work with. And if you went back to the beginning of, of the data, uh, the best quarterbacks certainly pass the smell test. And it's interesting how this, the top five goes like like this Aaron Rodgers, which we'll get to. I think he's tied with Kurt Warner, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Peyton Manning and Patrick Mahomes, which does not rely on his CPOE and his accuracy, but just the EPA monster when he does make the plays, it's just like basically unheard of. He's a kind of a football unicorn. Um, so I, I like that. I like looking at that. There's some really interesting on the all-time leaderboard guys like Chad Pennington. I believe he's 13th or something. Depends on your minimum throws. But uh, I, I think Randy Moss called him the best quarterback he's ever played with. So that was interesting. And David Garrard. But yeah, really no, do you have any thoughts on the overall all-time leaderboard here and how P- Pat Mahomes is number one? I mean, I love that because, you know, just watching him, you could just tell he's a transcendent talent and he is special. Yeah. So, so just to be clear, Mahomes isn't number one in CPOE. This is like some right. blend of uh, EPA and CPOE. And, and Mahomes' EPA is so incredible that like, any weighted average of, of EPA and CPOE is going to uh, make him look really good. And, and yeah, it's really a perfect marriage of a very good quarterback uh, with a very good system uh, in Andy Reid and then amazing pieces around him. So it's, it's really just been like as a football fan, the, the most like the best start to his career that we could have hoped for just in terms of the enjoyment of watching him play. Yes, I messed that up. That was your composite of EPA plus CPOE. So a combination of those two stats. All right, let's talk specifics here. Tom Brady, I, I noticed the final eight games last year, um, you can break it down on Hermsmeyer's Air Yard sites, which I, I love. You can go down game by game. Um, her, uh, Tom Brady, I believe, was minus 8.7 the final eight games, which is just unheard of. Uh, it's just so by far the worst in the NFL by a wide margin. Um, his, uh, his playoff game was... A minus 13 or something cpae he's 43 and a half years old it's possible he was injured you know during that and it, that could have been a cause there now he's healthy you know workouts works out like crazy eats all the right stuff has the best system around or, or sorry players around him right now in a new system um this led me to read an article write an article saying tom brady is done 1100 comments later people attacking me in social media left and right i'm the biggest idiot ever so uh ben i, I hope CPOE is a thing because, uh, of course, I'm a little tongue-in-cheek with Brady, but, man, how much should you wait the, uh, an eight-game sample that's that bad for someone who's also 43 and a half years old? Yeah, I think, uh, so to sadly not give a straightforward answer, there, there's kind of two competing explanations, and it's hard to how much to know to wait each one. So, number one, he's 43 years old, so... Yes, I would not be surprised if he declined physically or suddenly lost it. But 
Number two, he had absolutely nothing around him last year for the Patriots. So there, there was no Rob Gronkowski. Antonio Brown got kicked off the team after week two or something. They inexplicably cut ties with Josh Gordon. Uh, Mohamed Sanu, I think he was reportedly struggling with injuries. So there was really oh, yeah. uh, their, their first-round draft pick, Nikhil Harry, I think was injured for a lot of the season. So he really didn't have a lot to work with. So if that were the explanation and he's getting this massive upgrade in weapons with uh, Evans and Godwin in Tampa Bay, then I, I could see him having somewhat of a rebound. Um, and that one weakness of these models, whether it's CPOE or EPA, is it, it's really hard to account for uh, surrounding circumstances. So if, if you have dominant wide receivers, then you're, the results of the plays, pass plays that happen when uh, you throw the ball are going to look better. And that isn't always because of the quarterback. We know these are stable to some extent for quarterbacks, but um, there there's still certainly the scope for surrounding talent and all that to make a difference. So you aren't factoring in like the, the speed of the receiver and all that, that will matter. And from scheme to scheme, can greatly affect a quarterback uh, cosmetically in this stat. Yeah, that's right. And even for the the next-gen stat version, so they do have receiver separation in the model. So if you're constantly throwing to wide-open players, then they know that. But if you have a receiver who systematically wins at the catch point more than other players, like uh, maybe, for example, like Michael Thomas comes to mind, which which doesn't mean that Drew Brees isn't accurate. We know he's accurate, and he has been since before Thomas was there. But um, when Brees is throwing to Thomas, Thomas is going to catch a lot of those passes that maybe other receivers wouldn't, and that will hurt. That will help his EPA. That will help his CPOE, and we just don't have any way to get at that right now. Right. Okay. Well, Brady's going to be fascinating. I mean, changing systems, but just absolutely elite uh, teammates. And man, the fantasy community is expecting two top 10 wide receivers and a top 10 tight end. Uh, Man, I just think that's a tough, tough task, especially with a good defense, too. So I think they're all overvalued, even if I myself am overvaluing his CPOE over the final eight games last year. Josh Allen, uh, this this stat is not a fan of him as well. Um, talk about my guy from Fireball, California. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I've definitely been down on him among the fantasy community. I'm probably the lowest ranker of him. Obviously, he brings value with his legs, but uh, how much of a concern is there that he actually you know, gets benched as soon as this season? Because um, uh, tell us, really, honestly, uh, how is he as a passer? So his first two years have been not good it's not encouraging um his like his deep ball struggles are well documented um his cpoe has like some of the worst pair of seasons we've observed among like any any players in the past 15 years the one like if i were a bills fan i would say oh he got a lot better between year one and year two so we we should expect that natural progression and that's often not really how things work like we can't just assume linear growth over the course of a player's career like from, from a football watching standpoint, it'd be great if we had another exciting and fun quarterback. But just in terms of like the probability of someone continuing to improve, it, it doesn't seem super high. And a lot of this reminds me of the conversation about uh, Mitch Trubisky a year ago. So he was someone else who added value with his legs, but wasn't a very good passer. And Bears fans got very upset if you said that like we should be skeptical about him being in the MVP conversation or whatever people were doing a year ago. And now it seems like Josh Allen has been... Uh, the latest player to arrive there and just like from a result of what has happened on the field, there's, there doesn't seem like a ton of room for optimism. The one 
the one thing that may change is maybe Stefan Diggs is so good that it will help him out and he will come down with some of those throws that other receivers weren't. But a lot of Mel's misses are just so far away from the receiver that it doesn't matter who the receiver is. Yeah, I'm not sure if the best, even if Diggs is the best route running in the NFL, it, it will matter. Um, I believe PF, PFF graded Allen as the best short yardage rusher in the NFL last year, and it definitely helps in fantasy. But man, over the final four games last year, minus 12.7 CPOE. I know that's a lot of mumbo jumbo to people, but that's like saying a hitter struck out 90 times in their final 100 at bats uh, the final month of the previous season. Young players can get better. But I, I believe that the fantasy community is underestimating just how bad of a passer in real life Josh Allen has been. Um, all right, some controversy here. Aaron Rodgers, even a recent video came out. I, I did say in your composite has him top five all time. Uh, but recently, and maybe even not so recently, the last, what, three to four to five years, uh, Rodgers has not been the same elite player, according to your metrics. Um, made the championship game last year, but wasn't really necessarily because of him. Some interesting things with EPA with Aaron Jones on and off the field, as well as Devontae Adams and his uh, separation over expectation. So talk Aaron Rodgers and get people fired up, Ben. Yeah, so Rodgers was, um, whether you look at CPOE or EPOA or anything, really, he he had an, an all-time great start to his career. So this was from, uh, I think it was 2009 to 2014. So it's not like these measures are created to be biased against them. He was legitimately great in those seasons, and the numbers reflected it. Uh, since then, that has not been the case. So uh, since 2015, um, his EPA per play hasn't been great. Uh, his CPUE hasn't been great. His EPA, his EPA per play has been lower than guys like Kirk Cousins, who like people think is a vastly inferior quarterback. But the, if you just look at how their offenses have been, and it's not like Cousins has dramatically better weapons than Rodgers around him. Uh, Devontae Adams is still really good. The Packers offensive line is still really good. And the Packers offense just hasn't produced like people think that uh, it would if if Rodgers were still uh, a top quarterback. Um, the You mentioned Aaron Jones, and, and the interesting thing with, with that is that, uh, and Bill Barnwell uh, of ESPN noted this too, that when, when Jones was on the field, the Packers' offense was much, much better. And, and thinking back to their season last year, it, it's not hard to understand why Jones had like, a lot of amazing catches and runs, and, and they were good with him on the field. Um, where I'm a bit skeptical is whether we a whether we should expect this to continue because we know that there's a lot of kind of noise and randomness in these on-off splits. Uh, and number two, they spent a second-round pick on a running back, so who knows how often Aaron Jones will even be on the field? So the the Packers are definitely an interesting team. AJ Dillon there looks like a monster too. The pictures of him, Aaron Rodgers is such an such an interesting guy because he throws the ball away. So I don't know if the, that stat captures everything. He throws the ball far, far more frequently. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. It's it's interesting that he's just not quite the same player he was, or maybe not even close to it recently. Even though it doesn't quite seem that way with the Packers winning. Um, two guys who are far better maybe than the public. Well, obviously everyone knows Drew Brees is good, but man, Tannehill. Uh, Marcus Mariota, that's crazy, man. As soon as he leaves, suddenly they're like the most efficient team. Uh, they're Obviously, they're going to regress some what they did in the red zone last year. But Tannehill, an absolute monster last year. I believe he was second to Breeze in CPOE. Um, I'm bullish on the Titans moving forward because of it. I'm, I'm, I'm in on the Titans. Yeah, I am too. And I also think they're very interesting. And it's like the Titans have been such an afterthought for so long that it, it's it's kind of hard to talk about them and get other people to care about them, but I'm, I'm glad that you also find them fascinating. There's just so many 
like competing interesting things going on. So number one is the, the small sample size nature of what Tannehill did. Right. Um, there's also um, how uninspiring he was in Miami. So there's the question of is, is the real Brian Tannehill what we saw in Miami? How bad was Adam Gase? Which I guess we kind of know the answer to from from his Jets tenure as well. Uh, and then like yes. the um, AJ Brown season, like we know he's a great player, but some of his like yards after catch um, production is just not replicable going forward like he was uh he led the league in in yards after the catch um uh per reception by a mile I think. and a and ton of play action right <laughs> benefited from a ton of play action yeah that's right yeah he had a lot of his production was on play action which um like we know that play action is more effective than non-play action but the i think it was uh josh Hermsmeyer who showed this but the like production on play action is also not stable from, from year to year so like there's reasons right. to believe that they sh- they still should be a good offense and maybe in a very a very good offense, but they were so incredible last year that some of that probably has to come back to earth uh, a little bit. Yeah, I could see Tannehill regress. I mean, Tannehill can regress and still be very very good. So I'm I'm, I'm a believer in that team. Um, Drew Brees is the number one in CPOE over the last uh, among quarterbacks who've thrown 1,500 passes since 2009, basically lapping the field. Uh, he's old. I get it. Uh, kind of a concern with injury there. But 22 to 1 TD to INT ratio in the second half last year. Um, what more can be said about Brees other than how much has he benefited from? I mean, is he you know he's played the, most of his career basically in the Coors Field of of football settings. Uh, with Sean Payton and indoors and all that. So how much credit should we uh, give him and how much should we skew also to the scheme? Yeah, so I, I think he, he definitely does benefit from playing in a dome. And uh, one of the things that uh, we did over the off season was kind of change our uh, this is uh, So I'm, I'm working on this R package called NFL Faster that basically tries to make data available to other people. And we have these models available in the data. And, and one of them is our CPOE model. And one of the things we added over the offseason to both this and the EPA model was whether a, a game is played in a dome or not. And um, adding this in, you can guess who the quarterbacks that are hurt by this. So it's Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, like all these guys who play their home, home games in a dome. So it has helped him some, but even making these adjustments, it's like he's still an incredible, incredibly accurate passer, has been over the course of his career. And I don't think that's um, driving what we've seen from him right um, and getting getting hit is another category that you're adding tinkering with too right yep that's right and so that's that's another thing where that also has um pushed him down a little bit um hmm. whether fairly or not like it it definitely is a skill of the quarterback to throw the ball before you get hit so in some hmm. sense it feels weird to quote unquote punish somebody for uh not doing or for yeah for not getting hit but at the same time i, I think what like what cpoe is really trying to measure is how accurate a quarterback is and when a quarterback is throwing while getting hit um it like whether or not that passing is complete doesn't tell us as much about how accurate the quarterback is because there's this huge mitigating circumstance there so that's why we removed the or we, we added we incorporated the part about qb hits and that that also hurt groovies a little bit but um in some sense we should think of um, is evading these hits as a skill, even though it, it doesn't necessarily help the the CPOE uh, estimate of it. And this is getting really into the weeds of <laughs> creating a model. No, I like it. And you got to yeah, keep tinkering. I mean, yeah, yeah no, make, it makes sense. Um, 
Nick Foles uh, is another guy that popped for me looking at this stat. Um, yeah, he had the, the crazy TD to INT ratio and going from, uh, and then obviously the awful season under Jeff Fisher. Uh, but a couple of those years, he really, really was strong in CPOE. So I, I just, it feels like uh, the fantasy community was underrating that he could be a massive upgrade over Trubisky. I have uh, Allen Robinson ranked very aggressively, Anthony Miller as well, even David Montgomery, this should benefit going to be a weird offseason though i mean so maybe Foles now is behind the eight ball there but do you have any added thoughts on Foles? i i think so a lot of Foles is like to the extent that he has good numbers a lot of that is driven by 2013 and i, I think one could certainly make the case that i think that was chip kelly's first season in the nfl and, yep. and perhaps they caught yep. some teams yep. unawares um i think he also had incredible interception luck in that season so yep. um I think there there might be some mitigating circumstances, but at the same time, if, if the bar is being an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky, then <laughs> that's a very low bar. So I, I could definitely like if I were the Bears, I would I would definitely be happy to roll with Foles and see what happens. Yeah. I believe he had one other season that was sneaky, really good. But uh, you could throw some cold water on my Nick Foles love. That that's that is fair. <laughs> um, three other guys that this stat does not like, uh, and the fantasy community is very interested in to varying degrees. Um, first one I'll just say is Gardner Minshew finished very, very poorly in it, but no one is expecting him to be the future or a star. And actually, I, I've been creeping him up my rankings because I think that team is totally tanking. Horrible defense. They don't care about who's starting at quarterback this year. It's more about next. So they'll give him a long leash. And he runs. I think he scrambles uh, the second most QB scrambles uh, rate last year. So I like him fantasy-wise, even if he continues to be really bad. Like he might, you know, bottom three type passer now that David Blow or Blau is uh, is no longer with us. Uh, uh, Baker Mayfield, man. This obviously took a step back in, in real life. But um, what are your thoughts on him looking at, uh, looking at him from a more uh, advanced uh, angle? Yeah, so May- Mayfield's a hard one because his rookie season was kind of uninspiring, and then they made the coaching change midway through. Uh, he had six incredible games, and then last year was, again, not super inspiring, and now they're having another coaching change. So the the optimist yeah. hope for him is that he produced in college in a very impressive way, and uh, you could talk yourself into the Browns just not having the coaching. Uh, there are reports that Odell Beckham Jr. was playing through injuries last year and just like didn't have the surrounding pieces to be effective. So maybe uh, he will come around. I I don't really have a strong take on him, and like I think he's more of a question mark than anything. And like their offense could be really good. It could be a continuation of last year. And I don't I don't think we really have at this point the evidence to really have a strong opinion on who he will be as an NFL quarterback. What about Daniel Jones? Uh, put up some big fantasy games last year. Obviously, another guy that helps you with his legs. Um, but this stat suggests he has a long way to go to be, a, you know, even an average NFL thrower. Yeah, so he's, um, at least if you believe the CPOE, he's not super accurate. He also, like, has an incredible fumbling problem. So he, I don't have the numbers in front yeah. of me, but he fumbled a lot of times. So... It's not like he's going to be challenged for the Giants starting job and he's going to be benched because of it. But in terms of like actually helping his team win games, that's definitely something that uh, needs to be fixed going forward. Um, all right. I want to talk to you about the, the New England situation. That was another one I could use as the headline is there was reports that they were maybe even considering rotating the three quarterbacks. Um, I, I do doubt that comes to fruition. Um, if I scroll my Twitter timeline, I'll see all kinds of pictures about Cam Newton um, 
you know, looking like a, a monster out there and, 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 and definitely having fun. But then if you read the article further, it seems like um, Stidham is, is maybe still the favorite. Um, I don't know. What do we make of Cam Newton? There's so much of an unknown uh, given his how is he health wise, learning a, a sophisticated new scheme in such a short offseason. But obviously uh, the physical attributes to be the most fantasy upside. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago. He was the league MVP as well. Yeah, Newton, is, again, he's really hard just because of the injury question alone. And then if you also add in switching teams and um, we don't even know if he's going to be the starter yet. Um, one, an interesting thing about Newton is his efficiency measures, whatever you're looking at, never quite lined up with his the, the public perception of his right. play, even in his MVP season. And uh, if you ask Panthers fans, they would always say that supporting cast around him was never very good and that's true to some extent but it's not like the supporting cast in new england is very good either so um it's not like tom brady where he's getting this massive upgrade in what's around him he's going to what tom brady had to deal with last year uh to a large degree so um the the value with his legs um that potential is still there but again we haven't seen him post injury so it's hard to know exactly uh what to expect from him so i i personally am not super high on well any team in that division really i guess somebody has to win it but um i i'm 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 pretty skeptical about the patriots in particular yeah everyone's drafting uh cam newton and and harry and i'm uh i'm over here drafting stidham and sanu so um i'm I'm the weirdo (laughs) on this in this scenario for sure and you're right there's so many question marks with new england but man in that division with the shaky quarterback situations although i think sam darnold's actually gonna gonna step up but adam gase there so i still think new england wins it ultimately again that the defense the scheme matters most in the nfl in that division um i think they win it again uh speaking of scheme and how important it is to this uh stat jared goff and, and jeff fisher effect i mean that's a pretty obvious one right like goff was historically bad and then immediately uh average right right when fisher left yeah he went he that's right he was historically bad his rookie season and then once McVay was there, he was probably better than average, pretty good in 20, uh, 2017, I think was the first year. And then 2018, they, they were very good and uh, eventually went to the Super Bowl before uh, the Super Bowl happened and they haven't really been the same since. Um, the Rams are interesting because it was kind of a simultaneous change in scheme with McVay obviously helping him a lot, but they also... Uh, they built up the offensive line, which was really bad in Goff's first year. Um, they added all these pieces around him as well, and all of that has helped Goff a lot. But now they're paying all this money for Goff, and like they've handed out some other extensions. They're still paying Todd Gurley. Like they they've they've thrown out a lot of money, so it's harder to kind of put the offensive line, especially around him, that probably Goff especially needs to um, succeed. Yeah, and it was great when he was cheap, but now you know when he's paid like this and he's not good it's a it's a problem um good for us though is uh fellow nfc west uh fans of their opponents uh i'll do some more quick hitters here philip rivers it feels like uh people are are uh, i get it why he's not you know super exciting fantasy wise because it should be run first team that any team that defense should be better but um through way too many ugly interceptions last year, but you look at these advanced stats, accuracy-wise, he was fine. Even CPA, I think he was like 6th or 7th or something. So uh, what are your thoughts on Rivers, whose career YPA is 8.0 indoors? Uh, good scheme there in Indy, too. So um, I think Rivers is going to have a good year. Yep, I agree. Uh, the, the upgrade in offensive line from the Chargers to the Colts is huge. Worst um, to best, maybe. Not yeah. Just, yeah, I mean, not just saying that. It literally might be from one of the worst to the best. Um, I didn't watch a lot of Colts 
last year just because they weren't that interesting. But in 2018, I was really impressed with um, how they built the offense around Andrew Luck, and they, they were really fun to watch and schemed open a lot of receivers. So if, if the offensive line is good and T.Y. Hilton stays healthy and they can get contributions from kind of the secondary pieces, then uh, and the, the teams in that division, a lot of them, like Houston and Jacksonville, might have terrible defenses too. So there's, there's really the potential for um, the Colts to be fun and good this year. Uh, before the season starts, I personally will be drafting Jonathan Taylor in round one of fantasy drafts. Mark it down now. Um, Dwayne Haskins, uh, very poor in CPOE last year, uh, but I believe was was impressive in college. And I'm all about Terry McLaurin, as is everyone this year. So I actually think he's going to show uh, the requisite big time improvement this year. Take the step. And Alex Smith, um, love the guy. And it's a great story. And I really hope I'm wrong, but I don't think he's a serious threat for for, for the quarterback job there. What do you think? Yep, I, I agree that the Redskins have to know that either Haskins or nobody is, is going to be the long-term future of the team, um, among, yeah. at least among the quarter, quarterbacks they have there. I, I'm not super, like, McLaurin's great, but I'm not super excited about any other options he has for throwing them. Um, so this this might be a situation where he kind of plays his first full season to get his feet wet, and then hopefully they add some more pieces around him uh, next year. Derek Carr finished third in CPOE last year. This is just, you, you talked about it trying to take, you know, negate the short passes, but that's all he does. So is that not exactly capturing Derek Carr very well? Because, I mean, the scheme has to matter with him. He's fluctuated based on whom his coach is that year throughout his career. Yeah, so he he's probably the, the player who whose measure I'm least happy about when I do right. this. Because uh, yeah. I, I thought uh, incorporating the QB hits part would knock him down because he gets rid of the ball so fast, but even after that, he looks really good by CPOE. Um, so I think like there's the potential for the Raiders offense to actually be pretty good. Um, they, so I can't remember the name of that. Uh, they, they used a first round pick on a receiver and they already had a, a pretty good uh, passing offense last year. Um, so um, it like, it's possible. Um, I, I was not a fan or a, a believer in Derek Carr for a long time, but if he keeps producing efficient offense, and it, it's not like they surrounded him with great receivers last year. They were, they're supposed to have Antonio Brown. He's, that was who was their right. number one guy in training camp, and they lost him, and, uh, and Carr was still able, able to produce. Uh, and uh, looks like the game has not passed John Gruden by, um, and maybe maybe they'll be a, a, a solid offense in 2020. I still question a lot of their uh, draft decisions, but um, indoors, uh, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards might even be the best rookie receiver on the team. Um, certainly could be set up there. I was worried that, uh, that they made Marcus Mariota the highest paid backup, um, but reports are cars way ahead of him. And um, it seems like uh, I don't know, uh, it seemed like a funny uh, potential uh, case there with Carr literally building a house next to each, him and Gruden in Las Vegas and have him bench this season would be a. Uh, would be quite the scene. Um, all right, so Carson Wentz, I wanted to ask you about. Um, seemed like the the film guys, you know, watch the film, say that he makes throws unlike very few, only maybe two quarterbacks in the league can make. Um, then you look at his average career CPOE, it's minus 1%. That means he's below uh, average for his career, according to this stat. Uh, defend yourself here with Wentz. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually down on him. I think he's, he got 6.7 YPA last year and the fantasy community doesn't have one of the Eagles ranked in the top 50 among wideouts. I know he was the first quarterback to throw for so many yards without a receiver getting whatever, but I don't know, man. Uh, Wentz is the guy I, I seem to pass on and, and maybe I'm being overly influenced by your stat here, Ben. Yeah. So he's, he's someone the, the efficiency numbers, um, 
whichever ones you look at have never been super high on. The one exception is uh, 2017, of course, um, when their offense was very good and his EPA per play was very good. But if you actually look at that season, his EPA per play was high almost entirely because of third downs. And we know that um, success on third downs is not something that tends to continue year over year. So they got uh, this one season where they're incredible on third downs and he's been at least uh, in terms of uh, producing efficiently kind of average to above average for the rest of his career. Now, Eagles fans are going to say, well, look, look through his start, look who he's starting to, nobody could, could succeed in those conditions. And yeah, the receivers were bad last year, especially their wide receivers were bad last year after uh, Jackson got hurt, but he still has a, a very good offensive line, two good tight ends. Um, so it's not like a situation is terrible. Um, and if he is the elite quarterback that the, the film people say he is, we would expect um, the offense to be better in 2020 than it was uh, last year. Right? Again, they drafted a receiver in the first yeah. round, and uh, hopefully for them that will provide some sort of boost. It's a good system. I'm totally in on uh, Deshaun Jackson um, this year. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, nothing to add other than um, I'm in on your stat because it uh, likes him. It compares him favorably here. A um, couple of the rookies I wanted to ask you about um, before we move past the QBs. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, going to be immediate star. And um, Justin Herbert, the opposite of that? Um, I... I don't know if immediate star is probably uh, right, especially in that franchise. Um, they <laughs> hopefully he will have a, a better uh, environment than uh, Dalton did last year, where AJ Green is out the whole season, um, and hopefully the offensive line will be better. Um, just like the one downside of the draft is we get all these super promising college players and then send them to the league's worst franchises, which like if you're constructing a league from scratch might not be um, the best way to do it. Like it, it's such a pleasure that Mahomes went to the chiefs and we've seen what that looks like. And for Burrow, right. Who knows if we'll get to see um, his talents uh, used in the best way. Like we have with uh, Mahomes, for example, uh, for Herbert. Um, so I grew up as a university of Washington fan. So I'm uh contractually obligated to root against him since he's from Oregon. So uh, that's my answer on that one. Okay, totally fair. Um, I I believe it does point to pretty uh, shakiness, though. I think he was like very much just average, I think, throughout his college career. And Jalen Hurts, I believe they... was good in this stat and that's before we talk about his rushing ability so uh yeah another way to fade Carson Wentz there um all right good stuff we're talking to Ben Baldwin from The Athletic um briefly just run over a couple other stats if you guys what you're probably tired of the stats but like there are some cool receiver stuff out there like racer and whopper and um separation above expectation um do you have any thoughts on these in general Ben um so the separation over expectation so that one was it just came out from a Josh Hermsmeyer article maybe a week or two ago. And it's yeah. like, it's really the, the cutting edge stuff of what people are able to do with totally. NFL data. So it, it's really cool to see this stuff being developed in real time. And, and looking at the, the results is fun because a lot of times it matches up with what we see when we watch the field. So like, for example, he found that players like Keenan Allen and Devonte Adams are some of the league's best at creating separation. And then that's, like exactly what we should expect. So it, it's fun to see kind of our, our intuition matching up with these measures that are devised. And um, Josh has made some cryptic comments about whether he will be allowed to continue using this data. So uh, this may or may not continue, but I, I hope the NFL is uh, willing to continue to give access to see people create these cool new things. 
I heard him say that on a podcast. That's horrible news. And I know something happened over summer, too, where you briefly lost access to some of that. It's all above me. I love uh, the stats, uh, but, I, but I rely on people far smarter than me to, uh, to come up with this stuff. So, yeah, very interesting. And I'm fully paying attention to that. I hope that does only gets further expansion, not, not less. And, yeah, interesting to see. You say that uh, Devontae Adams, but that is interesting because maybe he is more of the reason why uh, Rodgers has been successful. And he actually doesn't pop off the page like the workout metrics. But, he's yes, he's this technician and he's just creating this separation that um, maybe isn't quite as noticeable um, watching, uh, if you weren't watching the all, all game film. Game film. Um, one other quick thing I want to say about how stats could probably help in the gambling aspect too, man. You pointed out like the third down conversion over expected rate. Like that's probably pointing to teams that are due to regress the following year. I'm sure, I don't know if you're too into that, but there's some area there that's probably, uh, you know, worth exploring. Yeah, I think that and uh, the other thing I was looking at recently is uh, red zone touchdown rate. Yeah. Um, and there, there's a couple of teams that really pop out. And uh, we, we talked about the Titans earlier. And uh, as much as I, I like the Titans and want them to succeed, like there are certainly red flags in their overall statistical profile. Um, I, I think they went like a couple months without their field goal kicker making a yes. field goal attempt or something like crazy like that because they were just scoring touchdowns over and over in the red zone. And yeah, their offense is good, so we should expect them to be a good red zone team, but we shouldn't expect them to convert at uh, a rate that's 10 percentage points higher than any other team. Really. That, that one in particular has to come down. So um, I, I'm not saying the Titans are going to be bad, and saying that they're going to be worse is not the same as saying they're going to be bad, but they, they will probably not be as good as they were last year in, in a lot of these different ways. Totally. It's just like with regression always, you just ask to, to what extent, you know, you could regress 10% and still be top three in the league. So I, I, I hear you with that. And it's, that is definitely something to, to caution on stats like that. And you mentioned the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles led to a Super Bowl win by being so good on third downs, not exactly sustainable for the year, but um, interesting stuff. One the, before we go, Ben, I wanted to talk to some Seattle Seahawks with you. You're a Seattle guy. Um, Russell Wilson um, obviously um, could be one of the, Three to five best players of all time. But um, just talk briefly just about how being a Seahawks fan and dealing with the management and uh, not letting Russ cook. Yeah, so it, it's frustrating. I, I mentioned Mahomes and how much fun it has been to watch him get drafted to a team with Andy Reid. Uh, and they surrounded him with receiving talent. And like Mahomes is a supremely talented player. And I, I don't want to minimize the player he is. But I think Russell Wilson is maybe not if not quite as gifted, not that far away. And and seeing the Seahawks build an offense that minimizes Wilson is, is just really frustrating, especially because like he's not going to be 30-year-old, 31-year-old Russell Wilson forever. Like Eventually, he's going to get older, and every year that goes by where they're not uh, constructing the team around him, building the offense around him, doing everything they can to um, give him the best chance that he has to affect games and impact whether the Seahawks win or lose, then... Uh, it feels like a missed opportunity. And like thinking of the Seahawks franchise, how many times are you going to have a quarterback as good as Russell Wilson on your team? Like, it's just guys like that don't come around that often. Some franchises have never had a quarterback as good as Russell Wilson. So I like, there will always be a part of me that would, that wonders what if um, Wilson had a, a team around him, like the chiefs, what would that look like? And, and I'm worried that we will never get to see the answer to that. And how would you counter when the management says, you know, his efficiency is so off the charts because we asked him to do so little and that would drop dramatically if we increased his volume? So I think they genuinely believe that. Um, (laughs) I I think if you ask Pete Carroll, that's like he would say that we we protect Russell Wilson. He 
less is more for him when we don't put as much on his plate and all these kind of things. And I, I do not believe that because we've seen, like, we have all these other examples from the NFL to draw on of um, quarterbacks who throw more or less in, in different situations. And we, we just haven't found any evidence that it is harder to throw the ball when you throw the ball more often. And Mahomes should be the, the primary example of this. Is Pete Carroll a good coach or not? A good defensive backs coach overall? Where where do we, where are we with him? I, so answering this is hard because his <laughs> right. the, the things he is good at are so hard to quantify, like building a culture and uh, having a cohesive locker room and like all these things that from the outside, like I'm not in the locker room, so I don't have any idea of what goes into that or what impact that has on the team. And um, the things he's bad at are very easy mm-hmm. to measure, like going for fourth downs and passing the ball, things like that. So it, it's really hard to kind of tie the two and weigh the two and decide whether he's a good coach or a bad coach. I would say that my guess would be that most NFL coaches are pretty close to average, and I would include Carol in that. And then there are a handful that are the outliers in either direction, like your Andy Reid's and Bill Belichick's and John Harbaugh's uh, on one side and, and Adam Gase on the other. You're right. You all can't be as blessed to have Kyle Shanahan as your head coach. I, I feel you on that for sure, uh, Ben. Yeah, Scott Barrett tweeted this out. Uh, Russell Wilson's average uh, fantasy points in the fourth quarter, if you extrapolated that over four quarters, it'd be the best fantasy season of all time by a quarterback. So, uh, yes, let Russ cook, please. Um, what's your thoughts on the Jamal Adams trade? Um, I believe uh, it, w- it was equivalent to giving up the number one or number two overall pick. And what I haven't seen uh, mentioned as much is the opportunity cost, because that meant they're not resigning Jadavian Clowney. So um, as a 49ers fan, um, kind of terrified Jamal Adams, the player, but um, the the trade to me was I, I don't know uh, questionable. Yeah, it's definitely a lot, and it's not just the cap space; it's also the the pick. So um, the, the Seahawks won't be picking in the first round until the twenty twenty three draft, which means they're not they're not going to draft a first round receiver to pair with Wilson for a long time if they ever do, or uh, they need a left tackle to replace Dwayne Brown, who's getting up there in age, and they they just don't have the draft capital to uh, address their team needs like that. So they they really better hope that Adams makes a, a very big difference for their uh, secondary. For sure. Um, and then for fantasy terms, this is Chris Carson's backfield. Um, uh, Rashad Penny, man, I, I think he could be a stud if he ever stayed healthy, but looks like he's going to open the year on Pup. So uh, it's Carson's backfield with with Hyde sprinkled in? Yep, uh, that certainly seems like it. Um, Penny has, it, the, the injuries have been unfortunate. One of the reasons they drafted him in the first round was because he had a, a spotless track record of health in huh. college and they they had been burned by running back injuries in the last few years and it just hasn't worked out for him or the seahawks uh in the nfl so i have tyler lockett and dk metcalf both ranked top 13 fantasy wide receivers they're what chris godwin and mike evans fantasy managers think are going to be um love them both who do you think's gonna have a bigger uh, statistical season uh if, if i were forced to choose i would say lockett just because he has the the track record. Um, the, the Seahawks are very hard to predict, so I, I wouldn't feel good about it either way. Like, DK Metcalf could have an incredible breakout season to the extent the Seahawks throw the ball, and it wouldn't surprise me, but uh, Lockett has just been with Wilson for such a long time that he, he seems like the quote-unquote safer. 
Yeah, I like these passing options before, even more before the Adams trade uh, with the declining defense. Any sleepers in the tight end position? One thing we say fantasy managers complain about how Russell Wilson is utilized, but I believe he's perennially among the league leaders in end zone throws, and that certainly helps. Um, uh, so so if, if a tight end does, does emerge, can it be old man Greg Olson? So it could be, or it could be uh, Will Disley. And uh, for the latter, it just kind of depends on health. Um, I My understanding is that he's, supposed to be on the mend and on the way back um, and uh, when he was on the field Wilson really seemed to enjoy targeting him but he's unfortunately he's had two very serious uh, season ending injuries but only two years of his career so it's it's a pretty big question mark about whether he can stay healthy and if he can't then uh, yeah Greg Olson is, is definitely going to be soaking up targets I would expect. All right. Well, I would say best of luck, but um, now Seahawks are our rivals, and I had to sit through that. Uh, what was that a Monday nighter last year in overtime? That was rough, um, or whatever it was. It was a night game. But um, thanks for joining us, Ben. We've we've done it all. We've talked all the nerd acronyms. Um, ben is on Twitter. Definitely follow him at Ben B Baldwin. Um, anything else you'd like to plug? Point out, point us out to your site where you can find CPOE. Yeah. So uh, I have a, a website called uh, rbsdm.com. This is short for runningbacksdontmatter.com. So if you go there, then you can look up CPOE and EPA per play uh, for a given season or a range of seasons or within certain range of win probabilities and uh, all the stuff that was very hard to look up before that uh, we tried to make uh, a little bit easier. Uh, So check it out if you're interested. Awesome. Thanks again, Ben. Podcasts. We have a lot of podcasts at Yahoo Sports for some fantasy baseball action. Check out Scott Pianowski on the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball podcast, where I myself drop in from time to time. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. And the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Dalton Del Don. Tomorrow, Liz Loza is back to talk betting for those of you new to it in football. And we are out. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.